0: Welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. In every episode, we dive into whole and intentional leader development topics with leader development experts, Dr. Rob McKenna, Dr. Daniel Halleck, and other experts in the leader development field. So enjoy listening in to this conversation on cutting edge leader development research and experience. All right, we're excited to dig in today. We have our friend and guest, Kevin Miller. Kevin is a marketing and demand marketing strategist. He is the founder and principal consultant at Popular Demand Strategy Group, where he works with mission-driven companies and organizations to develop marketing and sales integration, recruitment marketing, demand generation, and sales enablement strategies. Basically, how do you get people to come to you? That's what Kevin does and he's also a fractional chief marketing officer with Atlas Rose Marketing, and he'll get into a bit more of that, what that looks like in his life today. But as we get kicked off, Kevin, I want to hear a bit about your story in a moment, but we do something kind of weird and kind of fun with everybody on our podcast. As you know and have seen, we've got a deck of wild cards with 50 wild questions, questions that we believe are worth approaching, even if they might make us pause for a moment. So to give us a chance for our listeners to get to know you, and we'll play along as well because it would be unfair if only you answered the cards. I'm going to ask Rob to start. And Rob, if you could pick a card from 1 to 10, you can answer whatever card, whatever question you receive. I'll have Kevin go next, and I'll round it out, and then we'll go into some questions for Kevin, get to hear a little bit more about his work and how it relates to developing whole and intentional leaders as well. So, Rob,
1: 1 to 10, I'd say 1 to 50 but I don't want to count that many cards. Did you shuffle the deck? I want to know that first. Of course I shuffled the deck. Okay, okay. Uh, Eight then. I know that'll surprise you, but that's why I- I knew you were gonna
0: pick eight. I knew you were gonna pick eight. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Rob, who gives you tough, but important feedback?
1: Oh boy. First person that comes to mind is my uh, my good friend, Jeff Smiley. I've known him since high school. And speaking of brand stuff, he has been incredibly helpful to me over the years. Um, he's a sales executive, but he just he's really been helpful in terms of that. So he's someone that will, he speaks the truth to me, which is sometimes hard, but he also has incredible encouragement. So he's not just one side or the other. That's just the guy that's come to mind over the years that has been really important for all my work and mission, so.
0: It's awesome. We all need a Jeff in our corner. All right, Kevin, one to 10. You can't pick eight. Three. Three. One, two, three. What is the unique contribution you bring to every team?
2: Mm. Yeah, what a great question. So I would say fun, first and foremost, I'm a jokester. I'm the class clown. I was the guy that you know, got A's and B's and maybe a few C's in there too, but at the bottom of every report card, the teacher always said, Kevin is such a pleasure to have in class, but he always tries to make a joke. He's always teasing. He's all... so my parents just knew that was probably never going to happen, but that's what I bring to the team is just fun. Um, when things get tense, I'm the comic relief. Awesome.
0: I love it. Very cool. Okay, Kevin, my card one to 10, not three or eight. Mm-hmm. So Kevin's picking. Yeah.
2: I'm yeah picking. Kevin's picking I say, let's go six. Okay. One, two, three,
0: four five and six. How would your perspective be different if you believed others could change? Hmm. Funny, because I was just talking about this with somebody recently, and I like to think that I believe others can, can change, but sometimes those who have experienced unwilling to change on a regular basis, I just believe that they don't or they can't. And I think if I believe they could change, and I go back to what I, what I truly do believe. But I don't. I don't always live into. I'd probably probably give them more chances, and not in a um, you know a bad manager sort of way where you let the bad behavior continue. But I'd be patient. I, I would. I would let certain people in my life have a little bit more runway with the assumption that they are going to change at the right time in the right way at their velocity. So that's my, my question for the day. Thanks for playing wild cards. I'm sure those answers and questions will work their way into our discussion in at some point um, in time. But Kevin, can you tell us your wild story? We want to start there. Tell us your wild story. Well, it's a wild one. So I, (laughs)
2: I started off actually uh thinking I was going to be this rock star musician and that I was gonna be a household name. Yeah, and, and you're doing like the guitar thing, but I was not that cool because I played trombone. So like all my all, my, That's all awesome. my cool points just out the door. You know, you think rock star, you think like foot up on the speaker, you know, just laying it out on a flying V. No, no. A trombone, okay. But I did that for a while. That's what I studied in school. Um, and it's funny what I realized that was actually the start of my marketing career because I tell people that I actually did not have as much talent as the other trombone players in, in that market, but I was really good at marketing myself. And so I always knew that from the beginning of how I engaged with people that hired me to the way that I followed up with them, I would actually end up getting more jobs um, because of the way that I marketed myself. So I made up for my lack of talent, uh, with excellent marketing. That's awesome. Uh, so worked in the church for a little while doing music ministry and youth ministry until my dad, um, who had been in real estate and real estate finance for years said, Kevin, I think you would just be absolutely brilliant in this business. I would love to do something with you and start a business together. So we opened up a mortgage company Um, together. So music to mortgage, that seems like a logical linear transition, right? Um, And so that was where I really started building uh, my demand generation because I realized it was really hard to go get new business as a mortgage broker, especially a new mortgage company. And so I studied and researched and learned everything that I could about the mortgage business and how it affected realtors and builders and developers. And then I would Go and kind of teach on, hey, here's some things to help you understand mortgages. And I would be an advocate for consumers and write articles and get radio interviews where I would kind of advocate for um, actual good marketing or uh, mortgage practices. And at the time, if you remember back in 2006, 2007, uh, there were no such thing as good market or mortgage practices at the time. People were buying, especially where I lived in Florida, buying second homes that should not be buying second homes. And um, man, it was a mess. So ended up transitioning out of that company when we sold that company and did a lot of entrepreneurial things, opened a restaurant, had a publishing company for a little while, uh, and then started really working for companies and always knew that my gifting was to help companies that had either one kind of hit you know, kind of a plateau, or they had run against a wall, or they couldn't figure out how to get to the next level, or worse, they had gone down the wrong road, either reputation-wise or um, with their product, or pigeonholed themselves, and they couldn't figure out how to turn around and go the other way. And so I started going into these companies and helping them figure that out, using all the things that these eclectic, weird background uh, of experience that I've had, and applying it, and that eventually landed me being. Um, a consultant. And that's when I actually landed on uh, where I'd been for the last six years, which was at C12, which is an organization that runs business forums for Christian CEOs across the globe and about 3,000 leaders that get together once a month and go through a set of materials and a framework and curriculum where. Uh, they're learning how to build great businesses, but also do it with a greater purpose in mind. Uh, people over profit and impact um, over bottom line. And so was the vice president of marketing there for almost six years and just recently left to to start popular demand and and work with Atlas Rose. And uh, so, yeah, I you look back on my journey and it's like, how did you string all those things together? That's so... That's such a strange non-linear approach. So welcome to Kevin Miller. I'm non-linear. It's just, it's been a wild ride, but man, it's it's been really cool to see how all this stuff has been pulled together and I'm using it daily.
1: Okay, so Kevin, I know this is a, a hard question, but I'm really curious about um, what you would describe as the um, the greatest innovation in demand marketing, or maybe it's not innovation, but kind of the secret sauce that most people miss Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things I I buried in my question, I'm I'm speaking as I'm questioning because I just would love to hear your thoughts on this. Is that's I think a lot of people I think about who are uncomfortable with something that feels like self promotion. There's this kind of I think about it in the mission focused organizations, in the faith based organizations that you've worked with, and the businesses. Like, is there something you see that is kind of the secret sauce to creating demand, but kind of making it okay to do that? I don't know. I, there's you know what I mean, where it's like that sense in which it's not. Just about creating demand. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I'm really curious.
2: Yeah, that's great. So, I think I think there's a couple of foundational things that you have to really understand in order for a demand generation strategy to be effective for your organization. One is you have to be open-handed and transparent. So, if you're not willing to kind of give away <laughs> some information and some free advice and some uh, some things that maybe even border on company secrets or trade secrets. If you want to keep everything close to the vest and hold it really close and not share it with anybody, it's going to be really difficult, right? So uh, putting too many paywalls and obstacles and combination locks in front of the things that you're sharing makes it difficult. I think the second key with any effective demand generation is that it's not self-promotion. You're approaching the strategy with what value can I provide to others, So this is not about look at me and look at all the great things I'm doing and look how awesome I am or as as a company, what we're doing and all the awards and accolades. And let me write a 10-page ebook about all of our features and benefits. It's more about how do you actually share value from your perspective as a thought leader or an expert or an authority in your industry, product, service, whatever it may be. How do you share that openly with people where they have instant application and take away from that? If you get into a pattern of doing that, eventually people, when when the timing is right or when they need your product or they need your service, they're going to think back in their mind and go, who is the person that I feel like has the most knowledge or expertise or authority in this? So, that the third point is, it's a long game strategy, and not everything that you're doing in a demand generation strategy can be measured. So, as a CEO, the biggest mistake you can make with a, mark, a demand generation strategy is saying exactly how many dollars will that ebook produce for us? Well, how many exactly how many marketing qualified leads will that video produce for us? Because there's this thing called the dark funnel now, people are already out there absorbing information about who you are that will never show up on your radar. And so <laughs> what are you putting out there that they're absorbing about you and your brand that you may never even know that they're doing it, but how do you wanna present and represent yourself in that content that
1: they're going to absorb? Awesome, okay, okay. Daniel, I gotta ask another follow-up. So, so one of the things, um, cause we think about this a lot uh, and, and so, what you those three things I'm just like taking notes like crazy so one of the other things that occurs to me is I wonder what your suggestions would be around there's so many people when I when I first got into business you know for years I've been asked this question is like who is your um, ideal customer or client and uh, and the thing that I that sometimes I found is that uh, sometimes that's not the place to start. Cause I'm curious you, cause you said like, we focus on like what it'll do for us. Like if this video or this book gets out or whatever. Um, and I, and I feel like there's some wisdom in kind of thinking about what it is you do well before you actually start to try to please whatever this, you know what I mean? Like creating demand based on what everybody wants, as opposed to saying like, what are we uniquely qualified? And I'm curious about your thoughts on the interaction of that. And when you said long game, I'm, I'm asking you a multi-layered question. The other thing that I was curious about is your thoughts on just continuing to work it out, like seeing what it is that you do create a value. It takes, it takes a long time sometimes to learn what it is that you offer that's of value that you're uniquely qualified to do. So I, I will shut up and I'm just curious about those two, two sides of that. Like, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it, you're spot on with it. It's if you're not genuine and authentic. So you can't pretend to be something that you're not in a demand generation strategy. So if you're not an expert in your industry product service, if you if you think, man, if, if we just put out great content around this subject, because that's what everybody wants, even though we don't really do that, but that's what everybody wants, so we'll just make some stuff up. Buyers are smart, man, they're savvy. They, are, they see through that stuff and, and they'll see through it really fast. And the other thing is if it's detached from what their reality is for the people that they interact with that you'll never be aware of, so when they're reading reviews and recommendations and they're talking to a friend and they're they're listening to a podcast that somebody sent them a link to by text, if it doesn't match up, then you're kind of dead in the water with your demand generation strategy. So with every company and organization leader is boil it down to what are the things you are really good at and that you know really, really well that you actually would consider yourself a thought leader or an authority on and start there and then just open-handedly share it with people. Yeah. That's hard sometimes, right? Because you're like, well, but if we give it all away, they're never going to want to talk to us. That's not how it works. There's an example I love. um, We actually included in in C12 curriculum. There's a a guy out in California who runs a concrete business. And he started a YouTube channel where he basically um, demonstrates how he builds these decks and driveways and concrete projects. Right, and he'll go on YouTube and he'll walk you through, it and he'll say, "You just do this, and you do this, and you mix this, and you trial this, and you flatten that, and whatever." Right? I'm not a concrete um, technician by any means, but the thing about it is, is okay if somebody's watching that video and they say, um, "I can do that. I'll just I'll go do that." He just gave me everything I need to know. That's all the all the information I need. I'm going to go do it. That's probably a very small percentage of people. Right. Then there's the other people that are going to say, oh, I can probably do some of that. But I can't do it all. And then there are the other people who are going to watch those videos and go, I have no freaking clue how to do any of that. What's that guy's number? That is a demand generation strategy. He is giving away what he does. And yes, there's going to be a small amount of people that will take that information and just go achieve success with it. But there's a majority of people that are going to take that information and go, this is all great and I'm on board. I just need somebody to help me with it. That's how you create an effective demand generation strategy.
0: So, Kevin, one of the things I mean um, that we deal with all the time is whole and intentional leader development. It's our brand. It's the, the work we do. And I always compare and contrast that wild approach, as I call it, with the conventional approach. And as you're describing um, the demand generation strategy. I see so many parallels with, I think, the new and different way of developing leaders than just send them to a, a day long seminar boot camp, or you know, the parallel for your case could be we'll just hire somebody to throw up a bunch of social media posts for you. Like, there, there's actual thought here. So three things I'm seeing. I'd love to get love to get your more thoughts on this that I think are parallels where that that. Um, between what you're talking about with demand generation and what we see with leader development, and maybe even some of our folks who are investing in leaders can learn from how they're focusing outwards, is one, that long game piece, right? And I love how you said it, you know, what's the, it's like, what's the ROI on this ebook? Well, maybe I can't tell you immediately, but we can see the impact over the long game in the same way that somebody might say, well, what's, the long, what's the ROI of investing in leaders? Uh, I usually get asked that question when um, somebody's just trying to justify it, but they haven't really bought into whether it's a good thing or not. It's like, well, you're really gonna see the the, the ROI in, in several years. If you if you do it right, it's not you'll see some fruit tomorrow, but it's not just gonna be put the system in place and all of a sudden you got a bunch of leaders. And you talked about that transparency and auth- authenticity for the brand, you know, getting back to like who you are as an organization or as a brand, as a product or service. And then from there, uh, moving moving outwards and adding true value, and it makes me think of Rob and I have talked a lot about. Um, you know, everyone's talking about what's happened over the last couple of years and disruptions and changes. In many ways, it's just revealed the roots that were already there. And so, if somebody was a leader who was uh, knew who they were, were self aware, investing in people, valued it they were able to lean into that. And if they were just doing some of those things to put on a show or to fill in the uh, social media meme, that, that became pretty apparent as well. So what are some of the parallels you see if you think about, because you've been a unique situation, you've you've both helped a lot of companies think about how to increase demand. And you've also been part of organizations that are investing in people and developing leaders. So there's an outward piece, but there's also an inward impact piece. What are the connections you see between a wild, if you will, way, an unconventional way of doing demand generation and leaders thinking about investing in themselves and their people? What are the bridges and the power parallels?
2: Yeah, that's great. So I think there's a ton of connections, a couple that come to mind. One is, I think you nailed it with authenticity being genuine. Um, You can't you can't form leaders to be something that they're not but how do you pull the best out of who they are and give them tools and frameworks to be able to succeed no matter who they are right so it's the same with with a demand generation strategy is you have to think about your audience first and what are you what are you trying are you trying to manipulate them to do something because if that's your goal it's never going to work you can't you can't manipulate somebody into being something that they are not and I think that's, if you look at the transition over the last 20 to 30 years from leadership training and leadership development is it's transitioned from this, let's try to make them all automatons that just operate the same way that this leader that came up with the development program, you know, this is their sales success. This is their development success. This is their leadership success. So let's model that and make everybody else conform to that. That's not what you guys are doing. Obviously, you're you're working with leaders to try to take basic frameworks to help them understand who they are and then how do they leverage those strengths, abilities, characteristics um, in multiple formats. And I think that's the, if you look at the, the lack of resilience or, in organizations and, you know, we've kind of lost that a little bit. Um, what you're doing is very similar to that and that you're, you're building resilience and people to, they can adapt. They know who they are. They know what's uh, they know the value within them and then they're building upon that depending on the situation that they've been placed in. That's one parallel. I think again, genuine being authentic, people will see right through it. If you're trying to be something that you're not um, people will see right through it. Um, the other thing is, and I think it's interesting when you think about leadership development is leadership development and I, and you guys are not doing this, but if, if it has to be prescribed and I'll, I'll use a different word, inflicted. So I'm going to inflict some leadership development on you. It's really hard to get buy-in, right? So what you guys are doing is, is the same thing is it's building something in people where they want to go deeper and want to know more and they want to keep going on the journey because they're experiencing something that's providing value. It's kind of like, I used to joke with a uh, CEO of C12, Mike Shero, is, Um, he loved to give books as gifts. And sometimes he would like come in one day and he'll put a book on your desk and go, Hey, I think you should read this. And you're holding the book going, Oh my gosh, what's he trying to say? <laughs> like, am I, is this like a big gap? And so you like speed read through this book. Right. Um, It's the, and we used to joke about that all the time. Um, A lot of times he was like, no, I just thought you might like this book, but we, we do that, right? Like if we say, okay, this is, we're going to inflict this development and training program on you. It's hard. Like it takes a lot longer for people to get buy in and want to get on that journey because they feel like it's something that's being put on them instead of something they're being invited into. And I think that's what you guys have done a good job with your program. Is you're inviting people onto a journey, and there's value along the way that then makes them want to keep going. And they, as they start to gain insights and reveal things about themselves, um, it just makes them want to go deeper, right?
0: I love that you're talking about that that invitation that's so key. And I see those parallels too, because it's funny when I, I hear we hear executives all the time say, "How do I get my people to?" Fill <laughs> So it's you all about can't. get my people to, and I right. hear the same. I hear the same thing in uh, in the the outbound uh, or or inbound conversations, that go to market conversations. How do I get our How do we get our customers to? How do I get my leaders to? How do I get our customers to? And I hear what I'm hearing you say, like no one actually wants to be gotten to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: no, those days are over. Yeah, um, the manipulative marketing techniques and and trying to get people to do something that you want. Um. People are just—they just—they see right through that because of the white noise of everything else that's out there. Is they have yeah. become really good at choosing what they want to pay attention to, yeah. and what they want to absorb and internalize. And I think it's the same for you guys. Uh, you know, there's a lot of leadership development programs out there, but what is it about how you guys invite people on a journey? What is it about how companies invite people onto a value? Uh, journey with their demand generation strategy that keeps people engaged and helps them get a framework that then they can apply to their scenario. But yeah, the, when a, if a CEO calls me and said, Kevin, how do I make my customers? I'm like, this is going to be a long phone call. Um, (laughs) You just, you can't.
0: So so one other thing you made me think about is um, and I think this ties into the invitation is for us in our work, we have a point of view, we have expertise, we're working to give value to clients. And one of the things that's been a game changer for us has been to go through the same discipline process that we do for other people. One, one leader said, we're subjecting ourselves to the same levels of disciplined inquiry. We, we, we eat our own dog food to use the old developer term. We, we use our process. When I do that, even though I've worked with some, I mean, just leaders that inspire me, we do this work. I'm always finding places, even in the content that I'm delivering to others, that stretches and challenges me where I go, okay, Daniel, you're inviting somebody into this. You're sharing them a way of thinking about themselves and others. You need to challenge yourself. Um, That Even even my question about what would change if you believe others could change, right? Um, I would say I believe it, but then sometimes I I actually don't in, in reality. Where are the places for you in your work that you go. This is what I would. This is what I believe, and I'm convicted in, and I want all my clients to do. It. And I'm still trying to figure. I'm still working through internalizing and owning it myself, uh, even though I know it's the thing to do. And you preaching to the choir every
2: every single day. <laughs> so. You know, when you live in a demand generation world, you you try to figure out, okay, um, how am I providing the same value to my clients and potential clients that that I would expect my clients to do for theirs? And that's it's hard. It's not it's not an easy process. But I think one of the things that I a process that I go through is is I'm developing some new model or I'm developing some new framework or or a new strategy on behalf of a client, even, is taking that step back and going, okay. How much do I really believe in this? How much do I really believe this is the right way to do this? Or how do much do I believe that this is going to resonate with people in this industry? Or how am I going to? How do I know for sure that this is founded in good principle and um, and knowledge base? Right. So living in this constant evaluative state, and and even on my own ideals and thoughts that that. You know, you say, like, okay, this is, the, this is the way to do it. This is the gospel of demand generation. It is going to change and evolve and adapt. You have to, because the market and the industry and people and, and how people buy are changing and adapting almost, it seems like, monthly. And so I have to live in this constant state of double and triple checking even the things that I'm putting out there to make sure that um, one, that I truly believe in them. And a lot of times the answer is yes. You know, I'll go through that evaluative process and go, yeah, I do still believe this because it's still working and it's still producing results and still producing fruit. And so, um, yeah, I do believe this. And sometimes I question it and say, you know what, I want to I want to process more on this. Um, it's the same approach I'm asking my clients to do is, is not say, you know, in 2022, this is what's going to work in 2026. Okay. If you know that I want to talk to you separately. Because I think we've we've got we're onto something, and we'll make a lot of money together if you can predict what how people are going to buy and absorb content five six years from now. But that is it's all about being a, adapted to what's changing in the marketplace and what's changing with people and how they respond. Nobody saw you know 2020 coming. Nobody saw 2021 coming. It threw everybody for a loop, and so um, but it's how are you how are you responding and adapting? And I think it's, it's dynamic. It's not static. It's very dynamic.
1: It's so interesting because you, uh, I take, I go back to that third point you made about the long haul and that long game. And I've been telling the wild team for years, Daniel, I, and this was years ago. I said like the concept of whole person development, as an example, is a wave that is coming, but the problem with being an innovator is that when you're ahead of the wave you don't quite make sense yet so it's like and it's a uh, which is hard because it the patience it takes and so we spent a lot of years just basically laying pipe to be ready for the moment where because i'm a surfer i was and so it's like be ready for the wave when it comes start paddling like crazy so because the relevance is people all of a sudden that meet where they're like oh i've been looking for this but now i actually get it and i need it now Um, So I was just resonating with so many things you were saying. So we ask every guest this question um, or some version of it. And as Daniel said, like one of the reasons we resonated with you, Kevin, was because your willingness to just kind of be real. If if people came to us, they have all the answers. I'm not sure. You know, it's like we, it's kind of harder to connect with a person who's got all of it worked out. So here's my hard question for you personally today. What is the question, the answer to which would set you free?
2: Mm. yeah that's that's a good one you guys always have you come up with the ones that you can't just (laughs) rattle off an answer to right and that's what i love about it yeah oh man um am i am i doing everything that i possibly can to serve others well
1: Huh.
2: so am i i think that it's that balance it's that tension i always live in of um, am I doing this because it provides value to me? It provides security and safety to me? Or am I doing this because it allows somebody else to unlock something in them? And that's, that's a question I ask daily. Man, I wish I could just, like, every day I wish I got an answer to that. I wish there was, like, one of those little text notifications that was like, yes, Kevin, today you're doing the exact things that you should be to um, to serve and provide value to others.
1: Yeah. I so appreciate that. And I know a lot of people will too. So that's, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure.
0: It's a lot, a lot of good stuff in this conversation today. I, I love the nuggets that people will take if they're thinking about developing their own demand generation and, or if they're thinking of how do I develop leaders in a way that is more like the invitation. I think those parallels are there. Just like your concrete guy example, we're going to have people who watch this who say, that's it. That's what I need. Boy, I really don't want to mix concrete. <laughs> I need to call, I need to call that that, that that guy. So, if somebody's looking to get in touch with you Kevin uh, for our listeners, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you to start a conversation about adding value to others and increasing their own demand?
2: Yeah, so easiest is probably just connect with me on LinkedIn. Can't miss this mug as you're scrolling through. So find me on there and connect with me and and we can start a conversation or go to my website, which is populardemandgroup.com And, uh, and you'll have ways to interact with me there as well.
0: Awesome. And we'll have that in the podcast we put out there as well. So Kevin, this has been wonderful. Thank you for joining us for a wild conversation about demand generation, the connections, leader development, the long-term play. And we're just grateful to know you and to have learned from you today.
1: Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin.